0: What's going on, friends of the Rockney Cast? I am sitting in the smack dab of the middle of the buckle of the Bible Belt in an undisclosed location in a hotel. And so I thought I would discuss a little Jesus with you. As I said, I'm right in the middle of the Bible Belt and I was flipping channels and watching a lot of like not so good religious TV. It's like Methodists and Evangelicals. And all these pastors, I don't know about you, but some of them are kind of a turnoff because they're kind of know-it-alls. And it got me thinking about why so many people are turned off on Christianity. And I think it's this question of dogma, that they're turned off by it, or they go in with a series of questions that remain unanswered. So that got me to thinking about a sermon that I had heard recently by my Lutheran pastor. I won't call him out because I don't want to embarrass him or subject him to worldwide scrutiny on the scope of this rockney cast. But it made me think of a sermon that I got um, from my pastor, he's a Lutheran pastor, and it really was a really good sermon. So I thought I would share it with you and see if it gives you any insight Or maybe encourages you how to share your religious viewpoint, hopefully if you're a Christian, how you share your faith. How maybe to avoid really turning people off when you share your faith. So that got me thinking about this pastor sermon that I heard. I thought I would share it with you. And sorry, that was a really bad cut. Someone just called me on the phone. So it got me thinking about this this area of questions And I love Christianity. I've totally returned to my faith. Although I hope I don't are one of those people that like have reconverted to Christianity and then turn a whole bunch of people off by sharing that because I think that's kind of a big issue. Because there's a lot of recovering Christians out there. And the question always is, is why? Why are there so many people that run from this incredibly rich, wonderful, spiritual, gorgeous, lush, fulfilling tradition. And why are so many people turned off by it? So I thought I'd share this sermon with you. And not necessarily what the punchline of the sermon was. I actually don't remember that. But a factoid that he provided that I had never thought about. And it involved Jesus And so let's get to it and talk about what I learned during the sermon Then I'm going to share it with you and hopefully give you a guidepost as to how I think that this can be helpful for you if you're struggling with your faith or if you're not struggling with your faith. He can maybe help someone else that's struggling with your faith. And if a friend of mine is listening, I want to make clear that the theme of this is not an opening to moral relativism. Okay, so it, it absolutely involves a certain degree of truth, but I am not saying just sort of let the gates open and you know Christianity is whatever you think it is. I am not saying that. So if, if my friend is listening, not saying that. So what was this factoid, Cole? Come in for the landing and get to the point. The fact that I learned through the whole teaching career of Jesus from the time he started preaching the gospel and the time he was put on the cross was that how he handled questions? In particular, how many times people asked Jesus questions and the number of times he actually answered the question? And the, the, the answer here, I think hopefully will blow your mind because it kind of blew my mind. Maybe I'm kind of like a little slow. It takes me a long time to learn things. So biblical scholars have figured out, I'll call him Pastor Pete. I'll give you a hint as to what his name was. He's really, really good, like central casting. I learned this from Pete. Jesus is asked 183 questions because, you know, he has all these followers, and they know that Jesus is this kind of like incredible guy. So they want the answers. They're like the kid in the class Saying, teacher, tell me me what's going to be on the test. How can I be saved? Tell me the answer. So he's asked 183 times. And Jesus only responds and answers directly three questions, three times. And the rest of the time, he either responds with a parable or he asks another question. Does that blow your mind that of the 183 times the greatest teacher most likely of all time is asked a question, he only answers three times. And this is one of the things that I've really come to appreciate as I've gotten older is the value of a question as a sacred act. When I was in law school, lawyers are trained with the socratic method and when i was in law school i hated this method because of its imprecision its ambiguity its failure to tell us what is going to be on the test because the method of inquiry as it was known in law school is a socratic method which is you keep asking questions in response to another question and you keep on going, and you never clearly identify the answer. Now you can see why this would be incredibly frustrating. But if you think about how many times that you get into interpersonal conflict, or whether it's with a family member, a colleague, rather than really seek to ask a question of where that other person is coming from, you immediately start arguing and telling them why they're wrong. Rather than, as Stephen Covey says in Seven Habits of Effective People, seek first to understand before being understood. How is the only way that you can understand? By asking questions to see where that person is coming from so that you can accomplish your goal of seeking first to understand before being understood. And this is something that seems astonishingly simple, but is probably the thing that we all do and we're all incorrect. And we do it the most when we're arguing about religion, when we're arguing about politics, when we're arguing about our particular position, college classmate that's been nudging me on my recent affirmation of my Republican roots. And what's kind of annoying to me, I don't know if he's listening to this, but is that he never seeks to understand first where I'm coming from. He has no desire to sincerely ask a question of why I think the way that I do, how I arrived at this particular location at a time and place in my life. He's always seeking to Answer the question or offer a conclusion before understanding. So, this got me to thinking as it applies to religion, isn't this why so many people are turned off? Is because, you know, when I was, you know, there's that Bruce Springsteen song, 57 Channels, but Nothing On. As I was flipping through the channels this morning, it was kind of like retro. I haven't actually flipped through channels in forever because, you know, my TV is set up of like YouTube, Netflix, Amazon. So I never watch like TV. And so I never see like random evangelists. Well, where I am located right now the buckle of the Bible, Beth, they're all over the place Sunday morning. And every one of these pastors, are there's one woman actually, but they're all speaking with total authority as if they had the clarity on what Jesus meant as if they're the ones that understood what Christianity was all about, as if they're the ones that had had almost a greater level of access and that you should obey their point of view. And I thought, isn't that why? That's why that sermon of Pastor Pete resonated with me so much, is that so many of us are turned off by didactic or argumentative or conclusory attacks, whether it's in a classroom, the way that the gospel is preached. Now, I would say that in my case, I've always had pretty good pastors and they've never been, they've always been kind of friendly. So if, if any of you, my previous pastors are listening, I'm not necessarily talking about you, but I think of so often the people that are turned off by the church I think it's because of this issue, especially if, you know, if you're a woman, personal that uh, identifies in another way. Why is it that you were turned off by the church, and what? Is, and not that you have to come back; you can make whatever choice that you want. But to live a life without spirituality is like living a life without eating bread, or water, or the spirit. To me, it's a it's it's living a life in in gray rather than the technicolor life that you were really commanded to live. So I thought it would be good to get into, and I'm not going to do an elaboration on all three of these questions. You could do an entire podcast on each one. But I thought I'd give you at least the Bible verses in which Jesus actually answered the question. That was really kind of cool. And then I'm going to kind of just blow your mind at the end, sort of confirming Jesus as the ultimate questioner. And if you are arguing with this point, point of view, I'm going to say, well, yeah, Jesus. Um, I'm actually arguing from like Jesus' words. So it I won't be able to resolve this because Jesus is the great questioner. So if you ever try to argue with me, I'm just going to continue to ask additional questions of you. You're going to be incredibly frustrated, but you're going to learn something. And... Maybe I will answer questions if you sincerely try to understand while I where I'm coming from and without interrupting me. So what are the three questions that he answered? Now, there's some disabu- disagreement here as to whether it's eight or whether he actually only answered three, but I'm just focusing on the three. So get out your pencils, class, because these are the three questions that Jesus actually answered out of all the ones that he had actually been asked. And I just looked it up on I just looked it up on my 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 computer. Jesus has answered only 1.6% of all the questions that were asked about him. Isn't that cool? Am I, am I am I not getting to the point quickly enough? Maybe I'm a little bit rambling, but I can because it's my podcast and you're listening to it. So what were the three questions that jesus actually answered the first comes from john chapter 18 verse 37 and this is a question from pontius pilate to jesus while he is on trial and i'm just going to quote him i'm not going to elaborate on these things because your pastors can do that he asked jesus are you a king and jesus responds you say that i'm a king For this purpose, I was born and into this world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So that's the first time. That comes from John 18, 37. The second time is is his disciples asked him how to pray. Glad he answered this one. He said, Lord, how should we pray? This is from Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And that's where then he recites the Lord's Prayer. If you want to go back and listen to one of my podcasts on Richard Simon Hansen, Richard Simon Hansen actually says the Lord's Prayer in Greek. I am not going to do that because I am not, I'm not that smart. I, I speak Spanish, you know, ish, but I don't I don't speak Greek. But how cool would it be able to say the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic or even Greek? Wouldn't that be cool? The third one. is a pharisee is actually was kind of curious about this young jew named jesus who's trying to teach about all the great commandments and they ask him what the greatest commandments are and the, the greatest commandments come from matthew and jesus replies it's matthew 22 verses 36 through 37 and jesus responds love the lord with all your heart and with all of your soul And the second one after that is love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the three times that Jesus actually answers questions. And if you actually apply the last one that he actually answers, love the Lord with all your soul, with all your heart and with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, that alone you are going to be on your path. Now, whether I've answered any questions that you have, I doubt it, I'm sure there's a array of questions that maybe are going through your head. But I think that this this really just occurred to me that the questioning itself is a sacred act. And so much of our interpersonal conflict is because we fail to ask those questions of someone that we're concerned about. Instead, we start with a series of propositions or conclusions and we seek to explain why the other party is wrong. I can tell you with almost 100 degree of certainty that if that's your method of conflict resolution, it will nearly fail every single time. Instead, you should seek first to understand through questions before being understood. Finally, the other thing that was really occurring to me, and I've talked to young people a lot about religion, share my own personal story that I've never been, I've never been super religious growing up. I'd go to church. I hated it. It was so boring. didn't go to church for a long time. At the age of 40, when I really needed to, I went back to the church and I've really embraced it, but I have not been kind of a reconverted or born again or anything like that but I do sort of kind of share where I'm coming from in terms of the power of the religious ritual, learning from the great creator, um, being amazed by the power of the Holy spirit, which to me is the breath giving life force of God and how it's just basically strengthened and reaffirmed who I am as a person. It's my identity. It's my purpose. It's how I try to live my life. And it really occurred to me that Jesus one of his last acts on earth. It may have been his last word, but it was nearly his last words. And it was Eloah, Eloah, Lama, Sabaktani, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? So he literally asked a question. And this wasn't a question in which he actually was seeking the answer, but it was also a hostile question. You know, so often on the college campuses, no one seeks to actually honor a question or they're offended if the question is even asked. There are many reasons why I'm no longer a a progressive, I don't embrace that ideology, but a lot of it is this, this notion that to simply ask the question, is a hostile act to ask why we should fund Ukraine when it has nothing to do with the United States. Why? To ask, regardless of the justness of the cause of Israel against Hamas, and I'm not defending Hamas in any way, shape, or form, but why is it in United States' interest? These are just mere questions. And I, of course, I have to be subject to questions as well. And so I'm not exempting myself from that process. In fact, I think I am in the near future going to do a where Rockney was right and where I was wrong in connection with the COVID epidemic. So I'm going to subject myself or as it were, hoist myself on my own petard. Uh, But I am going to just embrace this. But in the case of Jesus, literally one of the last things he did on earth was that he questioned God in a hostile manner. Because, not because he hated God, but because he loved him. He was born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, born of the creator, giver of all life. And he asked a question that in that, in that moment was not immediately answered. And God stood silent. And so what does this mean? I don't even purport to answer all of that other than I think what it means is that questioning itself is a sacred act and questioning is something that as a Christian in particular, I'm speaking to you Christian brothers and sisters, we should embrace and welcome and encourage and not chastise or belittle or be hostile towards. But this has to be inclusive as to everyone. Now, I hear a good friend of mine thinking that I'm on the way to moral relativism, that I'm just opening the doors to there is no truth. There is no true answer and it's just whatever we think it is. And so we can just ask these questions without answer. And we're left with mind-blowing ambiguity. And for that, I would say that that would not be where this is leading to. Because I do think that God speaks very clearly to us that we're wired to communicate with God. And that he speaks through us very clearly and does answer those questions in the form of our conscience. In the form of our relations with other people with our friends, our family. And those answers do come to us in a way that is crystal clear. And it is subject to knowing right from wrong if we we care enough to answer and to ask the question in the first place. So this is a long way of saying perhaps we should all be a little humbler in terms of what we think we know. Perhaps we should Approach one another in the spirit of questionings. We should do as our Father in Heaven told us to, which is to ask questions, and let's celebrate that one of the last acts that He, that Jesus ever did on Earth, was to question. So those are the three questions that He, in which He actually answered. It comes from John 18, 37, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 37. Friends, that's it for this episode of the Rockney Cast. You know, in terms of how I come up with what I actually want to talk about in this particular Rockney Cast, I always hope that what's jumbling around in my mind as I think of what I'm going to communicate to you comes out in a way in which what I intended is how you are receiving it. And I suppose, given the fact that this particular podcast is on the celebration of the question as a sacred act, if you have any questions about what I said during the course of the podcast, you will reach out to me, rocknecast at gmail.com or rocknecool at gmail.com and ask what I intended to mean by this particular podcast. So that is my goal. That is my intention. I'm calling out for questions. I doubt I'll probably have an answer, but I will try to tell you and explain to you where i was coming from with this particular podcast i hope this will give you a tool in your toolbox when you're talking to a young person when you're talking to yourself when you're talking with someone who's not a believer about embracing those questions because i think the other thing that i think christians often struggle with is the inability to answer questions why does god allow bad things to happen to good people that's a question that i i don't purport to answer So the only thing I would say is, is that in response to that, I think you would just talk and share about what the church means to you, how it's affected you, maybe ask another question um, as to why that person's asking that question, or maybe to provide a parable that you've learned in the context of what Jesus has taught. And the reason why I don't think this sort of opens the the lid to just total moral relativism Is that there are these doctrines that have been handed down to us over the course of 2,000 years in which Christianity has communicated there are great commandments that are very clear. But all I'm arguing here is that those, those are very clear guideposts that are given to us. There's also the need to have a sacred embrace of the ambiguity. Of what I learned in Nordic choir, which was the Omagnum Mysterium, the sacred ambiguity that God gives us, and the space for all of us to ask questions, hard ones, even to God Himself. And so that is why I think we need to embrace the question as a sacred act. And I hope you found this to be helpful to you. I hope I communicated what I intended. If I didn't, give me feedback. And I hope you will join me in continuing to ask questions of our government leaders. And I'm also gonna do a fair amount of polemics because I think that is something that we need to do in this day and age. I don't know whether, I mean, ultimately the goal should be to persuade you, um, but hopefully to stimulate, to think about that, to ask questions um, for yourself as to how you're processing the world, and at least to get you to think about some of these things i'm going to continue to ask questions in a lot of different topics, a lot of different fields and i hope they're interesting ones, ones that are interesting enough that you can tune into this particular rockney cast. i think in i think in the upcoming days and weeks i'm going to be doing a few on, on mike pence, basically articulating to mike how he really doesn't get it, kind of the mike pence mitt romney wing of the republican party. And we'll explore some of the I think deficiencies that they have in the way that they think, some of the lessons they've they they've drawn that just aren't accurate. And we'll kind of meditate on some of those issues. I'm also going to talk about some spiritual things that I'm learning. I'm still going to get into some of the health space. I'm not going to have any particular focus, which I know is bad for growing the audience, but I need to be able to have the flexibility to talk about what I want to talk about. So it's kind of going to be the. Rackney Cast variety show. Sometimes I'll be hilariously funny. Other times I'll be really serious. I'm going to continue to call out Joe Biden, certain aspects of the Democratic Party that I detest, certain parts that I still like, though. So lest you think that I just hate all Dems, I don't. A lot of the leaders I have a lot of concerns about, including Joe Biden, but there's a lot of elements of the Democratic Party that I think they could recover. That would be to their advantage if they could figure shit out. But you know, that's going to be a tall tale. So friends. I hope you enjoyed listening to this particular Rockney Cask. As As I indicated, I'm smack dab in the middle of the Bible Belt. And so that got me thinking about Jesus. And I thought, wow, maybe I should just share this sermon that I learned from Pastor Pete. And it was a fabulous sermon. And I'm hoping you learned to love questions as much as I have in my 48th year. On this great earth. So, friends, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, you and I see each other on the Rocky Cast.